0: Welcome to this new podcast series brought to you by the Electrical Safety Network. I'm Dave Austin and I'll be hosting the programs along with Gary Gundry, technical author and trainer who brings insight from the contracting world and specialist knowledge from BS 7671, the regs, and on site guidance. Today we investigate TEG and how this technology is allowing us to carry out testing with no operational downtime. Our special guest, bringing his experience and knowledge of the tech process, is Andrew Libsey, MD of Lantai. Here's a taster of what you'll hear. You can't just
1: go into a hospital and turn off the main switch and therefore you're restricted to the tests that you can do. So looking at a main section panel for example and applying tech to that and maybe applying fixed wire testing to a distribution board where you've got full control, working together you're getting a much more in-depth understanding of your installation. This is using technology to
2: identify potential risk. I suppose this is a service that you're trying to encourage businesses to invest in themselves. You're forecasting potential risk. This could affect their business, downtime, and I suppose ultimately it could be a reputation.
0: An in-depth look at the tech process and applications over the next 30 minutes. To start, I'd like to welcome today's special guest, Andrew Livesey, MD of Lantai. Welcome, Andy.
1: Thank you, David.
0: Teg, in headline Andy, what is Teg?
1: Yeah, so Teg's uh, plan-preventive maintenance in a nutshell. It's it's something that's not to replace processes that are in place that we're familiar with in the UK at the minute, but it's definitely something that can add a value, and that's what I believe as uh, an electrician.
0: And Gary, from a contracting point of view, from a regs point of view,
2: uh, where does Teg sit in the mix? In the contracting world, we see Teg and anything else like it as supplementing the minimum tests that are already in BS 7671. So it's added value. It would complement it. It would never replace it because they're essential as well, the tests that are in 7671. So this is something over and above using technology, just going to another level.
0: So what are its core applications? And I mean, this is not applicable for every installation is it
1: no not at all so it's more for items of equipment that you wouldn't look to switch off so items that you might find in hospitals or data centers it certainly isn't something that you would apply to a domestic house say or something that you would be able to have total control of so it's, it's more looking at things that can't be switched off and would cause real downtime operational and costly effects if you were to isolate it's all live working
0: one of the big questions people often ask about tech is what does it stand for of course, it doesn't stand for anything, does it?
1: There's there's a couple of things that they've said. So um, we were told that it's Center of Integrity, so TEG with, with another G on the end, and then another guys told us that it's uh, the Electrical Good Guys. So that's, oh, yeah, very uh, good. Uh, yeah, which uh,
0: but that that really smacks of its American roots, doesn't it? Because it comes from America, and it's a bit hypey and a bit gimmicky. Would you say? I think when you look at the way it's marketed over there, or you're looking at the website, so that it's
1: totally different to our approach. It is how they carry out electrical works you know and uh, condition monitoring etc over there and it's a lot more familiar over there but from from my perspective the reason we've got involved in tech is because we're predominantly uh, set up to do electrical testing electrical inspection and testing obviously filling out EICRs. and what we was finding when we was out on site is that uh, certain buildings it's, it's very difficult to run a full range of tests on um, you know, essential equipment. So for again, using a hospital as an example, you can't just go into a hospital and turn off the main switch and therefore you're restricted to the tests that you can do. So we believe by looking at a main section panel, for example, and applying tag to that and maybe applying fixed wire test into a distribution board where you've got full control working together you're getting a much more in-depth understanding of your installation so
0: gary where does that sit in the requirements of the regs i mean that, that's an over and above isn't it you, you wouldn't be expected to do that
2: a- absolutely this is an over and above requirement but as andrew's just explained there you've, you've got your operation you've got downtime you might be loss of income so if something breaks down but it would be very hard to use the tests and test sequences that we've got in seven six, seven one to establish that there's an arc in on a contact in a multi case circuit breaker or an isolator was overloaded, perhaps you've got one of the phases is heavily overloaded. you know there's thermography which I think you, your your take covers that so it's it's x-ray vision into something that's not possible, but if live working is is frowned upon it's it's not uh, eliminated it's, it is permitted but you have to meet three requirements in regulation 14 it's unreasonable for the person to turn it off obviously because it's a data center so or a hospital 24 um, 7 most of the tests that we can do in 7671 can be isolated so a domestic property you can turn it off you know if you're working in a commercial building you could work out of hours but some procedures like water companies hospitals and the like just have to keep going 24 7
0: and let's look at the tests that we're talking about Andy. so it's thermography has been mentioned there's uh, sonic tests as well just outline some of those tests and the the kit you use
1: You know, we work to BS 7671 in America. They work off to the the NFP. Um, The NFP, we sort of build our boundaries, our flash boundaries using the guidelines in the NFP. And then the, the processes for visual inspection, et cetera, are all taken from the British standards. So if you imagine you're in a switch room, You know, the NFP will dictate the arc flash equipment that you'll wear. So the first step is the ultrasound. Uh, Ultrasound is done with all of your panel covers in place. You run the ultrasound gun over all the gaps, crevices, joints and things like that of a panel. That can detect, obviously, sounds the human can't. So if there is a loose connection, it it would detect that. And if if you know that there's a loose connection behind that panel... Therefore, you don't move forward with the removal because ultimately, if you you know that there's a noise and and there's a potential for a loose connection, it would not be safe to withdraw. You're then going back to the customer to say, here's the sound clip, listen to it, this is what it means, and basically there's further investigation required. Now that isn't necessarily something that needs to be done immediately. Again, it's about planning it in. Now it is rare that these connections are loose on such large pieces of kit. So generally you can move forward at that point, providing there's no noise. So you would withdraw the cover again, working within the arc flash boundary. Our engineer would be wearing the suitable arc flash equipment. And then you'd run a thermography caption. Oh, so you take the thermal camera, run it over all the contacts, everything that's behind that panel cover. Um, what thermography is good at doing is seeing things that the human eye can't. So as Gary mentioned, sort of phase imbalance, loose terminations, degradation of contact within a piece of kit. So thermal caption might detect something, and then you're then moving into that point. Instead of just saying, right, there's an issue, thermal caption has identified that issue, you can then start on your men's analysis. So with your thermal imaging and your men's analysis and the two combined, you can start to diagnose what the issue is. So if we, if we talk about an MCCB, for example, uh, you've got three poles like a gate being open or closed so let's hypothetically say it's in, in the on position so the gate's closed with a millivolt test you're able to test across to see if there's any millivolt drop across the phases there's tolerance levels that are set in the nfp and if you see if over a 50 percent difference between the poles you know that the scope and potential for degradation on that so again if your thermal camera's detected a heat spot across a pole you do a millivolt drop test it's telling you The degradation on that pole. And again, it's about planning that in then. So, going back to the customer and saying, there's something here that you need to look at because outside the parameters, let's roll in the generator.
0: Let's not just let this break. Let's order this in. So, you'd have something ready then for when the installation's closed down, you can do the work.
1: Yeah. So part of the process is asset management. So on the side of an MCCB, it'll have uh, nameplate data. So if you just took a picture of it, you might buy something that's got incorrect dimensions or different types of fitting within a panel, but with the nameplate data for Schneider, say, you can just get that ordered in, you know, and it's basically when you you remove it, you know that you're putting something in that is exact like for like, rather than just taking a caption and looking off a caption. A lot to unpack there, Gary.
0: So how does that sound to you? sounds like somebody needs to be really skilled
2: at what they're doing here based on what we've talked about this this is keeping the operation running this is forecasting downtime. i wouldn't want to lose the half a section of the building you know because you know time is money you know you might be making manufacturing or you've got lives at risk here when when you mention this millivolt then is is this from the incoming poles and the outgoing poles yeah. yeah yeah so i can see that you know this is using technology to identify potential risks I suppose this is a service that you're you're trying to um, encourage um, businesses to sort of invest in themselves. You're forecasting potential risk. This could affect their business, downtime, and I suppose ultimately it could be a reputation. If you can't deliver the goods at a certain time, it's like, I'm sorry, we're going somewhere else.
0: Yeah. Do you find that it's a hard sell when you're talking to customers?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, everything's driven through insurance, isn't it, in the UK? And everybody's aware of EICRs being the way to satisfy the insurance company. But again, we're kind of looking at this from a technical point of view to say, well, as a skilled electrician and understanding the principles, I really like this. And the way I see it is, it's kind of like a double edged sword. You're still following you know, the visual inspection. You're up close and personal to the the kit and, you know, you're looking at it from a visual inspection point of view, which is what you would do anyway on, a, on an electrical test, but ultimately on a condition report where you can't take the panel covers off because it's not safe to do so whereas you're in the arc flash equipment you can see you're running the tests i just believe it dovetails very well mm-hmm. you know with the condition reporting
2: that's a really good point and i think that when contractors work with clients they have an aspiration that we want everything checked but on the day that they may send an operative the client will say oh you can't turn that off and then you have to put limb don't you it's limited yeah. right so you know if you have lots of limbs yep. you know I mean? this report is becoming less and less meaningful yeah. therefore as under the uh, Reg 4-2, you know, the, the duty holder has a responsibility to maintain all of his or her system, and they're not doing that. So you've got the EICR, which gives you this projected of a pass, or maybe, but only for a proportion of it. So what you're able to do, I'm establishing, is that you're taking everything that offers in bs 7671. And can you imagine a molded case circuit breaker, MCCB, fails? You know, it's like, why didn't you pick that up? that will never pick up so you're 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 using technology and a huge amount of knowledge and experience to impart onto the client to say this is your business and we can we can resolve these issues so i can see that there's a courses for courses here so domestic small commercial maybe light commercial it would um, be favorable to do the traditional testing but you're going to another
1: level which is is a sounding pretty good actually yeah Yeah. i think just a point to to make make on on that if you've got a large installation the first few pages of your report after page one to four they are all the big switch gear so it's the it's the beginning of the installation the origin of the installation so potentially if you was to do a hospital the first quarter of the report could potentially be with no isolations purely purely visual inspection and you know life test only where accessible so i have heard the phrase it's not worth the paper it's written on but in sometimes you've got your hands tied haven't you because you you're governed by what you are physically allowed to do on that site within the uh the remit of you know the customer saying that can't be switched off yes i mean if
2: anybody knows me i've done a lot of training sessions up and down the country and one of the things that electricians ask me is that i've been told to do this test this building in a day you know it's a not their concern. It's the client. It's about their responsibility under Reg 4-2 of the Electricity Work Regulations to maintain that. If that means you've got to spend a week there but you're only giving the client one day's work, you, you, you would be let off. But they, they feel they either, sadly, make up the figures to justify their work or they're working there till midnight shaking in the boots, thinking this is all going to come back on me. The responsibility to do all this testing is the duty holder. So your, um, your clients have got to maintain their systems. They're, they're maintaining it in a smaller way, but investing in your TEG process is, is investing in their business. You know, they're complying with the law, but they're trying to protect their reputation and business and yeah. financial recompense.
0: It's a little bit like the way medical science is going, though, isn't it? That now it is possible to see the future. What impact does that have on the duty holder now that they know they could actually do that? If they don't do that, are they exercising their duty fully? Uh, is this posing a problem in fact for people who have to maintain systems knowing there's an opportunity to do it more thoroughly than they are but they have to commit to tech
2: okay uh, that uh, i've never heard that one david that's pretty good uh, um thought process there i i'm digesting that now <laughs> uh, <laughs> to to see it from two points i i'm falling on electricity work regs which is thou shalt maintain the system mm-hmm. for safety mm-hmm. okay but to protect one's business and financial income and, and, and justify the shareholders and all people's lives is another level. That, that wouldn't fall under the electricity work regulations. So it's almost like there there is tools or technology that gives you more insight into your operating side of things to make someone make an executive decision to spend money, shut down the business and say, I know this is going to be an inconvenience to us but we can manage this so you can bring in a generator or something like that. And therefore you can put things on. So it's almost like a parallel exercise and the MCCB gets changed and, and it all switches over nicely and everybody carries on. I'm not sure that fits in with VWR to say that you didn't, make, didn't maintain it. Well, you are maintaining it, but you just lost two weeks' work waiting for the kit to arrive.
0: Have you got examples, Andy, where somebody has discovered a forthcoming issue, and and acted in time. Yeah, I mean, it's quite frequent that we find
1: issues with millivolt drop, withdrawing the covers, doing the thermography and spotting a rising temperature across the casing, rather than the contact across the casing, and you can see it's degrading over the time.
2: When I did a one day course with a brand name thermographer, we were mentioning figures of like sixty degrees as a spot temperature, and I said, I, I'm not worried about that. I can see. Uh, electrical contractors going that's below 70 so it's not a risk but the gentleman that did the training course said ah we take two temperatures one at the point of the termination, and one a bit back and that gives you the indication that there's a, a transference of temperature and there's a difference and it's easier to work out and forecast that
1: there's there's a loose connection yeah it's all comparative or over tightened i wasn't aware of that so yes they can move can't they? if you're looking at that one snapshot and you can see that one cable's operating at a certain temperature and the same cable, you know, if it's an armored cable, if L three is operating at a much higher temperature than L L one, you know, is that a loading issue? Is that a loose termination, or is it degradation of, of equipment? Yeah, but you're building a picture up, aren't you? Oh you're, yeah, yeah.
2: You're you're using the thermography and the current testing to sort of to,
1: to confirm the yeah yeah your, your thought process. So that, that's that's the thing. I think um, we we've always sort of used thermography in the past, you know, to supplement. Um, some of the fixed wire testing cuz again it's if you, if you're limited to what you can do in a panel let's let's use thermography where we can but now you know we feel we're a lot better place to sort of diagnose the problem rather than just say there's a rising temperature here's your report it's sort of there's a rising temperature and this is all the the rest of the readings that we've been able to pull together is
0: this something that also allows some comparative analysis so if you've you've done an installation then another year you go back yeah can you compare those two and see degradation the
1: software that we've we've purchased is has got all the logic in the background so we we key in the, the readings and the, and the temperatures that we find um, and that will ask questions flag things uh, for us but ultimately you're creating a job if you're going every year to look at this one piece of kit so let's say you're in a manufacturing plant and there's a conveyor that's that's making you an absolute fortune and it's a case of that can't ever be switched off and we're going to subject this to tag on, on a yearly basis you know you've got all that data there to be able to analyze you know and, and what what it does uh the software is that when you're plugging in your information the following year again it's telling you the comparative you know so you're looking at it yourself but the software's also telling you this piece of kit l3 is ch- changing differently or it's rising in temperature more so than l1 and, and l2 yeah that's encouraging to know because
2: you know in the world of VICRs, as people call them the um process is jobs done it's written it's signed off and it's put in the filing cabinet and forgotten about but w- one of the benefits that should be done is to look at that data and compare it with the last set of results to say is, is this degrading uh, i think very few do that because it's seen as a sort of tick box exercise jobs done let's move on it passed but i was talking to this cable manufacturers and also instrument manufacturers and amazingly this gentleman said to me said based on technology he said i can forecast that a cable will fail in seven years, or four, or two. And it's like, now this was a game changer because I don't think most of the industry knows it. So you're using your technology. If you saw a particular value and you said, it's okay at the moment, and then next year you come back and take another figure and it's less, okay, it, it could be thousand you know, like megohms for insulation resistance. You say, it's not a problem. That's way above the minimum requirement in 7671. Come back another year and it's gone down again. You then got to plot a graph and you can just say every year this will break down... And slowly. and slowly, slowly, and within four or five or seven years or whatever it is, that cable needs replacing. Now, why aren't we using that? It's, it's, it's People's minds just need to be opened up about this. It's a case of it's past, yes, but as a business, you want to forecast this. And I think that downtime, income protection and, and reputation protection would actually wake up people to think that, I need to be aware of this, because if, if, you, if you miss it or don't act upon it, it could cost them their job, I suppose, yeah, or people's yeah. lives, or
0: it could catch fire. It sounds like Gary Gundry is fairly convinced that tags are a pretty viable thing.
2: Well, you know, technology, if it's used properly, is always a good thing in my mind. I think that some electricians would probably be nervous of working in close proximity you mentioned this ppe i mean you know i've i've seen some horrible videos with where
1: with these art things i mean would this this would save someone's life with it this this kit is that good yeah yeah so there's it's rare to at a, sp- a specific calorie um and that that means that uh do you know, you wouldn't catch fire. <laughs> no, I did. I did watch the videos. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, I mean, yes, you, you're engulfed in flames. But I mean, I, I try and explain to people, and they don't appreciate the level of fault current that um, is generated, and, and, and the arc. They call it arc flash. And, and there's experts up and down this country that are better than me. But just to get that message across, you know, you're
1: wearing the right PPE. Uh, do you have to wear several layers? Three, yeah three layers yeah yeah so uh you've got the t-shirt the pants the overall <laughs> t-shirt and pants yeah, it's the the arc flash t-shirt and pants and then the overalls over the top of that and it's is, is you
0: know, that similar to what would be used by hv engineers yes yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's that level of protection yeah you're yeah at. absolutely yeah yeah,
2: yeah that's good uh, yeah. I was gonna say and reassuring for the
1: operative because you know at the end of the day no one no one sets out in the morning to have an accident, but no. things do go wrong. Yeah. I think uh the, the other thing as well is that as you're set up in the switch room, so obviously two work two people working, um, one person on the laptop keying in the information as the other person does the measurements. And what the what the software tells you is when you can start to remove, you know, clothing or when you need to put the clothing on. Do you know there's like it's like a trigger point. So for every step that you do, it's saying you now need to do this. You now need to do that. So obviously very sort of health and safety conscious. That's what I was going to ask you about that is because in in, in, in the UK and other
2: places in the world, we follow the requirements in 7671. But there's, there's no method statements. These contractors have to write their own procedures. And, and there's, you know, HSG 85, which is uh, safe working practices and things like that um, to sort of follow flow charts. In Is it the NFP? Yeah. NFPA 70. There are Amer- American regulations. So some might say that that's not the UK. How do we know? Are they better? Could they hold up in a court of law? You're following a different set of regulations that we have. I don't think we even have that capacity. So it's almost like you're using something ahead of its time.
1: Yeah. I f- I in this like, country. Yeah, I just feel like um, there's a blend of the two. Everything other than you know physically taking removing the covers and stuff, we're working to be a seven six seven one. But the building of the arc flash boundary, what parameters, the millivolt drop, test should work to. I mean, an MCCB that's installed in America is still coming off the same plant, so it, it, there's not there's no real difference to that. Sort. Following set requirements and
2: procedures that have been tried and tested. You know, one of my colleagues, he works for a distribution network operator, and. His opening take on a, on a training day is, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. What you're about to hear today is based on 100 years of accidents. So basically what we're following today is not because we want it. It's things have gone wrong, so we put policy and procedures in place to
1: help save people's lives. Yeah. So you're following that's good. So the ultrasound's very important because any detection of anything, you, you, you're stepping away. So is, is it visual it, and audible? The trained engineer with the ultrasound gun will hear a noise and it will produce a sound clip it plugs into the computer and then you can observe the sine wave of the sound clip and it's it's clear what you know a loose connection is so there there are characteristics
2: in characteristics. the science, yeah, yeah. That, that can differentiate yeah. a loose connection
0: very much I mean, like afdds so using that comparator process to look at a, a set waveform
1: yeah. that's it yeah so it's arc, arc flashed. you know if there's uh, when you download the clip you watch in the sine wave so there's the noise and then there's the, the sine wave This is very similar
0: to the way sonar detectors work in in submarines. You know, the guys with the headphones on listening to sonar blips, they can recognize the size of a ship.
1: Yeah, but if if there's any noise, the cover's staying on. It's as simple as that. Let's, Let's isolate this. We know that the submarine's been isolated at a convenient time to the customer. You're still going to use your ultrasound to make sure that there's no feed coming from elsewhere or you've, you've safely isolated it and then locking off the device and and then it's straight into the regs book isn't it yep. you know there wouldn't be a requirement necessarily for the rest so of this
0: time. is where the layer again sits above above the regs it does i
2: mean yeah. When, yeah. In, when when the iet or the eca call me to help out on their technical helpline occasionally some contractors will phone up and they ask what what is the minimum you know you would hope that over time they, they know what the minimum is now but clients are asking for less and more and I think one contractor he was under the impression that uh, the insurance company was driving this basically as you alluded to earlier that they wanted the test done every two years they wanted their building electrically inspected and tested every two years he said I thought it was three I, could I go to five but because of the requirement from the insurance company they were asking for that reassurance and I said and what did you find from last time then he said I didn't find anything And what about the time before? He said, nothing. He said, honestly, this is like an operating theatre. This thing is super clean. So I said, well, ask. Ask them to go to three or, you know, extend it. And if they don't, you can always go to um, another insurance provider. And ultimately, if you had evidence, initially it could have been photographs. You could have done thermography. And now with Teg, you could provide them a whole suite. So this could help someone's business, I suppose. Yeah, Um absolutely. Save on insurance.
1: There's one of our new customers who found that we're doing tag now in the north of England and we've engaged with them and their insurance company pays for TEG. Because of the potential loss of earnings for downtime, they're saying, we want you to have
0: tag. Uh, so if you looked work. ahead over the next five years, would you expect that TEG would be a standard feature of um, planned maintenance? It's a difficult one really because
1: from my perspective as a qualified electrician, gone on to do engineering at university. If I'm trained and qualified and I believe that there's value in it, then I'm sure other people think that. Engineers working in big factories managing big electrical installations, if they understand and they're aware of the processes, then I believe that they'll see that there's a lot of value in it and that's where the potential is. So, you know, the country, a better... You know, safer place. Potentially, yeah, and, you know, and less, less frantic with um, three o'clock in the morning conveyor belts breaking down and things like that
0: hopefully you know it'll save a lot of stress for people but who knows and gary what about its inclusion in the regs do you see a future for it being accepted in maybe to 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 part six good question
2: i think that um, there's always a a point where people will catch up with new technology because this is definitely new and pushing the boundaries bs7671 has the minimum requirements there's a there's a suite of guidance notes that the iet produce and guidance note three covers inspection and testing and i know that thermography is included in there one of my colleagues in the industry he he managed to get that in there so there's recognition and appreciation of it Uh, it doesn't change anything it supplements it as added value take supplements the whole thing some of the ultrasonic side of things, I think it's just specialised skill. I, I don't see that going into the requirements, but I do know that the committee that is looking at inspection and testing would like to dissect it into two, new work and periodic. So I think that would be like the requirements, and anything else would be guidance to help business. So that's that's where it would sit. That's it, that's it, why I see it, in my opinion.
0: That's typical regs answer, basically.
2: That's how we operate on the committee.
0: Thank you very much to Gary Gundry for his insight, and also to Andrew Livesey from Lantai for terrific information and experience of TEG. So, what do you think? Have we inspired an interest in TEG as part of planned program maintenance for your organization? Well, whatever your response, I hope you found this podcast informative and useful. Listen out for further Electrical Safety Network podcasts. I'm Dave Austin. Thank you for listening.